to week 25 of podcasting, where mundane meets mastery, coming to you from the northern hemisphere of the beautiful continent of Europe. I am your host, Beryl Aseno Nyamwange. Today, the sun is shining bright and the warmth is real. This time around, it is not a torch. It is a sun from its very roots, its very sockets. And oh, how we love to bask under it each day it shows up for soon. It may be gone when another season rolls out. As a poet and writer, I'm finding a lot of inspiration at my fingertips. I'm writing a lot about the sun, and in the process, my mind can't be swayed from thinking about the sun of righteousness in whose presence we bask every day, not in one season, not in two, but throughout all of life's seasons. He thinks of us even when we forget him. I hope that in your quitting journey, you find thoughtful moments that allow the sun to shine internally in your heart, regardless of the external weather surrounding you. Hey, come to the arena where the little things are the big things, where everyday living is the best life, where every day has something worth highlighting, where boredom is taken to the boardroom of the mind and comes out bearing rich thoughts that build hearts' walls. Here we speak potential, inspiration, Edification, eat the pie, taste the sweet and savory in the world of words and growth. Here we are becoming. Proverbs 16.23 says, The sweetness of the lips increases learning. Quitting as thoughtful love. To be thoughtful is to have the mind absorbed into something. It is often something very important to you or something of great concern. Thoughtfulness also calls for attentiveness that listening ear that wants to be certain, that listening heart that shuns doubt. You are seeking clarity in being thoughtful and for sure. This is an aspect of life we need in our quitting. It is the slowness of thought that yields fastness for clarity. The process, though slow, bears positive results. But if only we can be certain of that which we are thinking about, and if that which we are thinking about is worth acting upon, for the benefit of humanity and the kingdom that lasts forever. Pause for a moment and take stock of what is on your mind right now. What are your thoughts like? Am I taking stock of mine too? I am. How does your face correspond with the feeling inside? Is it sadness or gladness? Joy or what a noise? sorrowing or expectant of tomorrow? Our thoughts do have a great place in our quitting. Thoughts can lead to suggestions in our minds of what actions we can take. Quitting as thoughtful love. What is this all about? I want to take us through a few steps for a holistic thought pattern. This is nothing comprehensive. In fact, there's so much about our human process of thinking that we can't exhaust in 20 or so minutes and I don't even know much, too much about it. I still need to learn. To begin with, our thoughts must be open to scrutiny. The question is, whose scrutiny? David knew whose scrutiny was most valuable, the searching eyes of the shepherd. And so David said, you have searched me, Lord and you know me. You know when I sit and when I arise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Psalm 139, 1 and 2. You perceive my thoughts from afar. 
If he perceives my thoughts from afar, then I better get close to him so that I can have discernment and clarity on how to think aright. David then opens his heart and says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24. God knows we can have anxious thoughts in our quitting journey. Thoughts on food, on clothing, on shelter, on weight, on school, on salary, on calling. Thoughts on vocation and health and people, economies and travel and parenting and ambitions. Our list is long. So he responds, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Or maybe you're sitting here listening and you're saying, that promise is coming too soon. You're not empathizing with my situation yet. Well, I wonder if anxiety is more about the future than the present or the past. So what are some of the things we need to take into thoughtful consideration and away from perplexing the liberations of our minds? I'm thinking of three. Number one, caring relationships. Number two, careers and calling. And number three, Christ-centered living. I will discuss them one by one. In our quitting, we do well to be thoughtful about how we nurture relationships the relationships we have. Many times a quitting journey lends the mind to think of what it does not have, what we lack, but the very opposite is what we're looking for today, what we already possess, the seemingly little blessings that are not little. Caring relationships. Scan through the friends list in your mind. Whose names or faces come up? Is it parents, siblings, some workmates or friends you have met in the course of life, care is needed in nurturing these relationships in our quitting journey. We have heard the musicians sing, make the world a better place. It's a great goal, I tell you. And it's us who inhabit the world, so we do have a responsibility. But I wish to make a new plea to us because there's something we can do. My plea is that we make our hearts a, most, a more peaceful place for our minds to inhabit. In so doing, our bodies will find life fascinating and amazing. We go back to the start of scrutiny. Will we allow our builder to position his rocks of peace and tranquility in the rooms of our hearts? Caring relationships. Connections matter. In fact, in my language, there's a saying that it is only mountains that don't meet. Humans do. So while we still have the opportunity, let us care for one another. What are some practical steps, you ask? I'm thinking of dropping a surprise note to this long lost friend, a basket of fruit to this neighbor, a phone call to my mom, a gratitude note in my husband's shirt pocket, and most importantly, a prayer to the God of my life, thanking him for opportunities, obstacles, and all things that following him comes with. 
in our quitting. We do well to be intentional about caring in our relationships. It takes away the focus from self and in turn builds our hearts while we nurture the hearts of others. It releases our hands from the heavy fist of self to the open arms of giving to others. Caring dries up the sour juices of jealousy against others and squeezes out the juices from the fruit of the Holy Spirit, making for healthier hearts and lives. Quitting as thoughtful love. Let's be deliberate about taking action to care. The question I leave with you on this point is, what can I do with the gift of today? What can I do with the gift of today? Let's shift gears a bit and talk about our careers and calling as something worth putting thought into. Go back to the journeys of your childhood. Think about those things they told you that you were good at. Do those things feature in your experience today? Think of those moments that gave you joy. Do they still bring a smile today? I bet they do. This may be hard, but take a moment to think about that moment of sadness you experienced as a child. What has it made of you? A better person or a bitter one? What words come out of your mouth when you think of those moments? How have all this merged to lead us to the path of our calling, the careers we are pursuing today? And if by chance we are struggling to make decisions regarding which way to take, do we find these questions beginning to ignite some sparks of possibilities regarding our calling? I hope so. In our quitting, we need to be very thoughtful about our career path. This is that thing that you'll do even if you were not paid and you would be so good at it that someone will spot it and start paying you for it or you'll find yourself so innovative and creative about it and how you use it that it will pay for itself. That's a calling. It sticks with you. It ceases to be the mournful yawning Mondays to Monday mornings that you yearn for. Connect the dots of your experiences since childhood and seek the builder to position you for your call. You will cease to complain about the boss because you will be your own boss sooner than later. You will have found your trade and you will tread on it every single day of your life's journey. Going to bed tired and worn out because you find so much satisfaction. It needs to be put to rest. Let us be thoughtful about our career paths and our callings. How we spend our hours around the sun matters. Let us shine in that which is inherently gifted to us and that which springs from within. The question I leave with you on this point is, what can I do with the blessings of the past, be they obstacles or opportunities? What can I do with the blessings of the past, be they obstacles or opportunities? The previous question was, what can I do with the gift of today? Quitting as thoughtful love. The last point I wish to leave with you before I share our story is Christ-centered living. This is the last point because I do not wish for you to forget it. Neither do I ever want to forget it myself. And also because, because it is the foundation upon which all the other points rest. Christ-centered living. Now, does it mean carrying a cross on our neck and walking quietly through the streets undisturbed? Not necessarily. However, it calls for counting the cost. Taking up our cross daily and following him. 
calls for a life of surrender, of total trust in the Savior, knowing that he truly cares about every detail of our lives, every detail. Is it looking up, locking up ourselves in a convent so that we do nothing except pray day and night? Absolutely not. It means we have a closet where we go to hear him for directions and thus take heed to walk in his ways. Does it call for carrying the Bible under our armpits and warning people of hell and fire? Never. It means having Jesus in our hearts and loving people as he loves them, yet with a conviction to share the truth in gentle ways as the opportunities arise. The question is, how do we see the world and how does this affect how we live in it as we wait? If we see the world as a place where good and evil are both striving for the mastery, we will know that there is a source of good and there is a source of evil. Thus, we'll be able to distinguish between the two and to study to show ourselves approved of God so that when evil seems to triumph, our hearts are not in despair because we know what we have been told already. We're not caught unaware. Waiting properly calls for a Christ-centered life. This life takes care of anxieties. It reveals the future of the world to the child of God. It weaves meaning into the past, however difficult it may have been. And it falls into everyday life, lessons in the present, and how to use them to have a great future and enjoy the moment. Our life is music. Past, present, and future are all intertwined to bring about something more marvelous when all are woven together. He could have been about 251 years old this year. First taught by his father from the age of five, his father sought to popularize his son as a child prodigy, following Mozart's success, but Beethoven did not attract attention until his adolescence. Beethoven is widely regarded as the most important musical figure in the transitional period between the classical and romantic eras in Western music and as one of the greatest classical composers to ever live, but his life was not one without misfortunes. Sometime in 1798, Beethoven first noticed difficulties with his hearing. He was about 28, a young man full of zest and aspiration and composition. By 1820, when he was almost totally deaf, Beethoven composed his greatest works. This included the last five piano sonatas, the Missa Solemnis, the Ninth Symphony, with its choral finale, and the last five string quartets. If you have a chance, you can Google this and listen to them. In the fall of 1826, Beethoven caught a serious cold, which developed into pneumonia. By the time he was 44, or 45 about, he was totally deaf and unable to converse unless he passed written notes back and forth to his colleagues, visitors, and friends. Beethoven's Grob Fugue, Opus 133, a beautiful piece was written by the deaf Beethoven in 1826, formed entirely of those sounds in his imagination. Beethoven's greatest achievement was to raise instrumental music, then considered inferior to vocal, to the highest plane of art. He died in 1827 at the age of 56. 
I think of one of my best sayings found in the writings of a most gifted author who says, higher than the highest human thought can reach is God's ideal for his children. Her name is Ellen White. God has great ambitions for us that our minds can't even begin to fathom fully. See how ambitions nurtured from the age of five can have long-lasting positive effects on generations after generations for more than 200 years. And here you are wondering, what of me? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about these things. Our thoughts will never cease to matter. Think possibilities. Think opportunities. Think purpose. Think about these things. Philippians 4.8. What are our thoughts like? Again, here was a five-year-old whose childhood affected his adult life in a way that we still sense and experience until today, over 250 years later. We do well to also know that classical music, like what he composed, is spiritually and scientifically proven to be of great benefit in developing the brain, our thoughts. Beethoven did it even in his deafness. Deafness cannot steal the power of imagination, the value of thought. There are things unheard by the ear. They can only be heard by the heart. He heard his purpose and he pursued it, even in deafness. For us who are alive today, we do well to hear and heed. We do well to start from the point of the builder of our souls, the one we need to be free to allow to scrutinize our thoughts, our hearts. We need to hear him in our quaiting. Should it be that our quaiting would be a pleasant and rewarding experience? A positive difference in our legacy? For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Could it be that in our quitting, we hear him? But maybe there are things we need to be deaf to. Yes, the things we don't have. Not that we are ignoring them, but that we won't allow them to cause unnecessary noise in the parts of our divine achievements. Maybe there are things we have put off for a long time that now need our dedicated time to compose and bring to life. We have pushed them to the back burner. And now the time has come for critical thought regarding them that we may benefit and be a blessing to others by turning the fire and light on them. Maybe there are stages and platforms where our music of soul and performances from within need to be heard, but we have considered ourselves inadequate and buried the opportunities and talents. The question I ask at this point is, what can I do with the expectations of the future? As long as we have this breath, we are actors and composers on the stage of life. What are you bringing to the shore to edify, to encourage, to enrich, waiting as thoughtful love. Number one, caring relationships. The question is, what can I do with the gift of today? The edification of the mouth counts here the most. What we say, how we interpret what we hear. There are things we will need to be deaf to. Careers and calling. The question is, what can I do with the blessing of the past? 
The engagement of the mind counts here. The intertwining of our past and the present can help give us glimpses into the future ordained for us. God wastes no pain. Christ-centered living. What can I do with the expectations of the future? The excellence of motives is a daily matter here. The life of surrender is the call to daily living to our fullest potentials. Dear friend, caring relationships matter. What can I do with the gift of today? Careers and callings matter. What can I do with the blessings of the past? Christ-centered living matters the most. What can I do with the expectations of the future? Our connections with others matter. Our communication with our hearts matters a lot. Our communion with God matters the most. Think about the things we need to be deaf to that will allow us to continue composing the music of the chapters of life that God has for us. Consider the things that we need to keep hearing, and not just through our ears, but through our hearts. I leave us thinking of David's prayer. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Anxious thoughts must give way. For caring relationships, for careers and calling, and for Christ-centered living. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. Isaiah 55 verse 7. Caring relationships, careers and calling, Christ-centered living. Think on these things. Quaiting as thoughtful love. A mundane life is anxious. A life of mastery is expectant. Until next Wednesday, goodbye.